This is the Mooncast. Welcome to the Mooncast. So I don't want to waste any of your time. Let's just jump directly right into it. And so the first piece of news that we have is the SEC accepts BlackRock's Bitcoin ETF application. Singling regulatory review, right? So they finally accept the application from BlackRock. Guys, this is huge. Super, super bullish. And the United States Securities and Exchange Commission has accepted the BlackRock's application for spot Bitcoin exchange traded fund following its acknowledgement of a similar application by Bitwise the day before. The SEC's acknowledgement indicates the commencement of the official review process for BlackRock's ETF proposal, right? While it is an initial step in a lengthy regulatory journey, it signals the SEC's readiness to explore the idea of a spot Bitcoin ETF and assess its potential market effects, right? And ETFs are... Yeah, so the article goes on to read a little bit more about ETFs and stuff like that. But the gist of this story is that the biggest assets under management wealth fund in the world, BlackRock, has now been accepted or its application has now been accepted by Black by the SEC, right? And why is this important? This is important because if BlackRock is able to lead the way and get approved, it's going to start a snowball effect of multiple wealth funds, hedge funds, all these different types of big conglomerates getting into the game to get their ETFs approved. And there's not so much Bitcoin left in circulation to be traded currently right now, right? And because of that, the price, the demand, the market demand is going to increase exponentially once these ETFs get approved and they have to actually buy the spot value of the Bitcoin, right? So it's something to really, really keep in mind. And I hope that this BlackRock approval happens right before the bull run, right? So what I mean by that is the Bitcoin halving is in approximated to be in April next year. So anytime next year, to be honest with you, even after the halving, anytime next year, would it would I don't even know what it would do to the Bitcoin price. I don't know. You know, my, my estimate was Bitcoin was going to land anywhere from... 130 40k ish to 210k that was kind of my range for the next cycle so we'll see if if that is the range in which the next cycle ends but the fact that there's large amounts of liquidity entering the market to push the price could make the estimate that i have to be very insignificant and completely wrong and I could be understating the next bull cycle. I know that people say that there's always diminishing returns, which is absolutely true, but this is the first time that we have institutional adoption that is of this large of a scale of liquidity that they can deploy. So we'll see what happens and if it causes that snowball effect of other institutions and more institutions to get in. It's very, very interesting though. But let's move on to the next piece of news. So here we see BlackRock CEO says crypto will transcend international currencies, right? So Larry Fink goes on to say that uh, it says that crypto will transcend international currencies due to its worldwide demand, right? Moreover, Fink, 
described crypto as an international asset that has differentiating value versus other asset classes, right? While speaking of the opportunity and interest in the crypto industry, right? And so he also goes on to say that crypto was digital gold, once again, referring to the international appeal of Bitcoin. Subsequently, the statements arrived amidst BlackRock's filings for creation of the first spot Bitcoin ETF in the country, right? There's also a video here too as well. I'm not going to go ahead and play it. He doesn't really articulate himself very well, in my opinion. Um, but at the end of the day, it's really good exposure for the crypto market. I'm not sure if crypto is technically gold, but I would say Bitcoin is gold. And, you know, for me, the cryptocurrencies are just a more sophisticated and nuanced way to be able to exchange value and add value in different types of ways and tokenization models and stuff like this in businesses. And so that's kind of how I see cryptocurrencies. But Bitcoin for me is separate. It's just something more like like gold. But I, Bitcoin is upgrading and there are being able to scale using the Lightning Network and other means for decentralized applications in DeFi like Stacks, you know, which is a smart contract layer two protocol built on top of the Bitcoin blockchain. Right. So something definitely keep in mind. But Larry Fink is on board now. Finally, there was he had said in the past about, I think, five years ago that he thought crypto was too speculative and, you know, no one there was no market demand from any of his clients. So he's done a complete 180 as most people, you know, as they say, first they laugh at you, then they fight you and then you win. And that's pretty much how the game goes. So let's go ahead and move on to the next piece of news. So it says here that the SEC acknowledges Bitcoin ETF applications from Fidelity and more, right? So again, BlackRock was the first filing and then the SEC has acknowledged now Fidelity and it says among them, the SEC has acknowledged applications from VanEck, WisdomTree and Invesco, right? So if you see on the previous podcast, we mentioned that these three or we mentioned two out of these three that had also filed for a Bitcoin spot ETF, right? And yeah, so you guys can check out that podcast and get a little bit clearer understanding on the breakdown of that. But this is again, starting that little snowball effect. You can see here, here are the facts of them acknowledging it. Now it's just time to just process it. Like I said, I don't think anyone will get the approval any anytime soon before BlackRock does. But once BlackRock does, it legitimizes the asset class and it, it's going to invite a lot of retail and a lot of corporations to be able to really invest in this market and to really feel more comfortable investing. And it won't be no longer speculation. You know, there, there will be a legit demand based off of the BlackRock filing and approval, right? So let's go ahead and move on to the next piece of news. So here we see former SEC chair says, Bitcoin ETF should be approved, right? So, man, they got to fire Gary Gillenser, man. Like, uh, but anyways, it says in a recent interview from, with CNNBC, it says former SEC chair Jay Clayton said a Bitcoin ETF approval would be hard to resist, right? Moreover, Clayton shared his perspective on how far the digital asset industry has gone. And while developing regulatory standing would make approval favorable, right? In recent weeks, a host of traditional financial institutions have come 
forward with spot Bitcoin ETF filings. And as we know, we already mentioned these two as well. But yeah, just basically, you know, he's sort of trying to help to legitimize the industry. And it would be nice if he wasn't a former and he was actually sitting there as a president right now and in the SEC because Gary Gensler is so much against crypto, even though he did a 180. He used to be for, for crypto, then he became against crypto. I think somebody is, I think he's being lobbied by, by someone to be able to push his agenda, but it won't work. And at the end of the day, crypto will thrive with or without the United States. So they better get on board before other countries leave them behind in terms of regulation and getting set up and enticing all the entrepreneurs to go there as opposed to the U.S. So let's move on to the next piece of news. And here we go. So first Bitcoin ETF to go live after one year delay in Europe. Right. So it says here, this article goes on to read, it says July 2022 was set to be a landmark month for crypto industry in Europe. Jacobi Asset Management announced the launch of Europe's first Bitcoin ETF on Euronext Amsterdam under the ticker Bitcoin, right? However, the launch failed to transpire. Now, after a 12-month delay, the investment vehicle is expected to finally go live this month, right? And it says here, this article goes on to read a recent Financial Times report reveals the asset manager affirmed that the fund is on track to launch in July 2023, right? The first step aside last year because the time wasn't wasn't right as the ecosystem was suffering from collapse of entities like 3Ls at Capital, Terraform Labs, FTX, and etc. The asset manager pointed out that demand has shifted since last summer. So you guys see the market sentiment is changing, right? Because we're switching now, we're transitioning from a bear market into a bull market, and people still don't believe it. Some bears are still waiting on a 6K Bitcoin. It's not going to happen. And they're not really looking at the data. They're not looking at the analytics. They're not seeing the market demand. They're not following the trends. And so they lose. Keep waiting on a 6K Bitcoin instead of just dollar cost averaging in. I always try to recommend clients and people who ask me about how to invest in the market to always dollar cost average in because it's the, the best way to at least not miss the pump, right? Then not have any money in the market at all and just be waiting for better prices, waiting for better prices. You just keep waiting and waiting and waiting. I bought Bitcoin at 17K because I was certain that it was way oversold because Bitcoin never ever in any bear market went below its previous all-time high from the previous bull run, right? So when you look at the previous bull run was 20K, and then once it went below 20K, that's when I started accumulating, you know, that 17K range um, based off of the data, right? Because they never did it before. And I don't think it will probably do it again, but I could be wrong. I mean, I, we will definitely, once it breaks past 100K, we'll definitely see below 100K again. I don't know if we'll see below 70K once it breaks past 100K again. But you never know what these markets are so volatile, but I think they'll get way less volatile now because of all these institutions that are looking to invest in the market and they will stabilize the market more because the liquidity will be more deep. So it'll take more and more deeper liquidity to really move the markets, right? So that's just kind of how I see everything. So let's move on to the next piece of news. So the US inflation rate falls to 3% below expected levels, right? It says the, B the BLS, you know, the Bureau of Labor Statistics has released the Consumer Price Index, the CPI, Data for the month of June in the United States. Furthermore, the data shows that inflation in the country has declined to 
It is noteworthy that this represents a positive trend as it demonstrates a steady decrease from the previous month's rate of 4% and 4.9% in April. So, yeah, it says here, how will the Fed react to June U.S. inflation numbers? Starting from March 20, 2022, the Fed has gradually raised interest rates with 10 consecutive adjustments, bringing the benchmark federal funds rate to a target range of 5 to 5.25%, right? And yeah, so it says here, the reaction of the Fed to current, to current inflation figures remains uncertain. It is worth ob- observing whether they will choose to increase interest rates or take steps to manage the situation, right? And it says, according to an interview of CNN, Brian Moynihan, the CEO of Bank of America, expressed his belief that the United States may achieve its inflation target of 2% by 2025. Additionally, based on the current projections of the Fed, it is anticipated that inflation in 2025 could be approximately 2.1%, which would be decreased from the current state of 4.4%, right? So basically, to sum this all up, they're fudging the numbers again, right, guys? Um, inflation is nowhere in hell 3%, right? It's just not. If you understand how inflation is calculated, and if you just don't ignore your own eyeballs and you go outside and go buy eggs and go buy things and you realize that the prices of the goods and the services are much higher, significantly much higher than 3% year, year to date from the previous year at the previous month, right? So... They're fudging the numbers. They will get it down to probably, I think, 2%, probably by the end of this year at the rate that it's going because they decide what the numbers are, right? We can only just sit there like plebs and wait for them to come out with the report and for the market to react based off of what they say the percentage is in terms of inflation rate, right? So it's just how, you know, things go. And we just have to kind of deal with it. And it's unfortunate, you know, it's unfortunate that, a lot of people are going to suffer because once they get back down to that 2% rate, what's going to end up happening is that eventually once things break and they keep this high inflationary or this high interest interest rate environment, eventually more and more things will break. More and more businesses will go out of business or have to lay off more workers. There'll be less spending within the economy because those workers now don't have jobs to spend money and which will, as a subsequent effect, affect the cash flow of the businesses, right? And so then it will cause that cyclical effect. Then the businesses keep having to cut expenses, meaning the nine to fiver, right? And once these things continue to break to a point where they feel comfortable with, they start printing money again to stimulate the economy by lowering the interest rates to close to zero, if not zero. And the people who own assets and have cash flow and equity and businesses, they're going to win. You know, in the nine to fivers who don't have any assets, they're going to lose. And the discrepancy between the rich and the poor is going to get wider and wider, right? As the middle class gets shrinks, continues to shrink as the inflation continues to increase. And uh, it'll get to a point where it'll be hard for people from the check that they're getting from nine to five to even sustain themselves. Just being able to afford, afford daily, you know, goods and services and, and things of this nature. So that's just kind of how the game goes. So let's move on to the next piece of news. So we have breaking judge rules. XRP is not a security in SEC's case against Ripple. Monumental moment for crypto, guys. 
monu-freaking-mental moment. So it says, CEO Brad Garlinghouse recently, uh, oh, it looks like a typo, really, oh, really opened the case that would end soon, but the fight for crypto wasn't over yet, right? So Ripple Labs scored a victory on the United States District Court in Southern District of New York on July 13 as Judge Anissa Torres ruled partially in favor of the company case brought forth by the SEC dating back to 2020, according to documents filed in July 13th. Judge Torres has granted summary judgment in favor of Ripple's labs, ruling that XRP token is not a security only in regards to programmatic sales on digital asset exchanges. However, the SEC, the SEC also managed to notch a victory of its own as the federal judge has ruled XRP is, is a security when sold to institutional investors, right? So it is a security when sold to institutional investors as it is meant as it has met the conditions set in the Howey test. The SEC lawsuit sought to com- compel Ripple to stop offering its XRP token under the premise that XRP was a security and thus required additional regulation, right? And this is per the court doc's view um, by Cointelegraph. And it says here, the defendant's motion for summary judgment is granted as to the programmatic sales and other distributions and Larson's and Garlinghouse sales and denied as to the institutional sales, right? And so this is a huge win for crypto, huge win that XRP is not seen as a security because that means basically it's opened the floodgates to say, majority of crypto is in the security, it's a commodity. And if that's the case, as I've said in the previous podcast before, I don't think that the SEC will be needed very, very soon, whether that's five, 10, 15, 20 years from now, because it, then this leaves room for other entrepreneurs to take risks to then start ICOing in instead of IPOing and going through all the regulatory hurdles and you know increasing the the exponential growth of ICO launches, right? Where you know that coin is tied to their business, and so I always was under the impression that the stock exchange would eventually become the block exchange, right? And this is sort of kind of how I see the entire movement of things going in the future. And so I really don't think the SEC will be relevant very, very soon. It's 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now. But huge win for crypto. And I hope that people are happy for XRP holders. You know, I think they did about 100% or so after these news. And I hope people are happy, not just for XRP holders, but just to understand that this is an entire win for crypto and not to try to, you know, do this crypto tribalism thing of, oh, you know, I bought, I didn't buy, or, you know, I hold this bag, I hold that bag. It doesn't really matter because at the end of the day, we all won from this, right? We all won. So that's the most important thing. So I'm super excited for the future of crypto, right? Because this industry is basically being solidified right before our very eyes. And we're transitioning from that fight you phase to then you win because it's first they laugh at you then they fight you then you win so we're transitioning this fighting stage and we're gonna hopefully by the end of this next bull cycle get to the then you win stage so let's move on to the next piece of news so coinbase obviously is relisting ripple xrp right 
So yeah, it's very very simple news, and it says uh, the, yeah. So so basically, yeah, XRP and Ripple. By the time this podcast comes out, you know, XRP Ripple will be listed on Coinbase, which is awesome. And I'm I'm happy that they were quick to action as soon as these news came out that they they didn't waste too much time. I think Binance did the same too as well as Coinbase. And when we move on to the next piece of news, we can also see Gemini considers relisting Ripple XRP, which they will if they haven't already by the time this podcast drops. But they definitely will relist it because why not? Why not get the the trading fees, right? It just doesn't make any sense when there's so much demand for it, seeing as the news are kind of pumping the token. And so, yeah, let's move on to the next piece of news. Federal Reserve President James Bullard to resign. So we're almost at that then you win stage, right? So the, the former president, James Bullard, is officially set to resign from his position this August. Indeed, the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis announced the decision Bullard made, which will officially go into effect on August 14th, right? Without the structure of the Federal Reserve, there are seven active presidents at any given time, right? Subsequently, the position that Bullard had filled within the organization will need to be filled with the continued inflation fight to resume at the upcoming July meeting, right? So, yeah, this is uh, very, very good news. We need new fresh bodies, new fresh systems in place. I'm hoping that Gary Gensler is the next to go because there needs to be a new structuring. And also, I feel like there needs to be a new, if they, they wanna regulate crypto, there needs to be a new regulatory body to really understand this new technology. Cause it doesn't really fit, in my opinion, in anywhere that they want it to fit. You know, I mean, they're kind of trying to make it now a commodity, but is it really a commodity? You know, it's kind of its own niche. So anyways, let's move on to the next piece of news. So we see here that Binance dismissed more than 1,000 employees in recent weeks, right? So when we look here, it says world largest crypto exchange, Binance has let go of 1,000 employees in recent weeks. Super normal. I mean, Twitter let, I don't know how many, over 10,000 employees or how many more that they let out, but it's just news because it's crypto. So people try to act like like they're struggling, you know, because of this or whatever. But anyway, um, it says Binance continues to lay people off, potentially dismissing more than a third of its staff. Earlier this month, Binance Chief Stra- Strategy Officer Patrick Hillman confirmed he was departing the company, saying he was doing so in good terms. Fortunate had reported that he, along with the other top executives, were departing the company. It's, it says last week, Binance CEO CZ a somewhat opportunistic picture saying he was ready, readying his platform for increasing trading volume over the next six to 18 months. We're still very early. I think the industry still has a lot of room to grow. Zhao said, and I'm also always bullish. I'm a builder, so I always have a positive outlook on things. And yeah, so it says at the end of May, Binance laid off non-performers and non-culturally fit people. The exchange said before the move, the company's total headcount was around 8,000. Although it maintained its position as the top crypto exchange, Binance recently saw a 3% decrease in market share, right? So yeah, this is basically the Binance news on 
how they fired a thousand workers, um, which is super normal considering the circumstances that we're in. I don't really know why this is such a big deal. They're still functioning properly. There's a lot of FUD going on with them in the U.S., but outside of the U.S. and some other countries, they're being a bit hawkish. They're doing just fine. You know, they're diversified in multiple different locations, providing some of the best crypto platform goods and services that are available to the market, right? So, yeah, let's move on to the next piece of news. And so here we see that crypto trading volume is down 23% in Q2 as Binance dominance declines, right? So again, this is just not really necessary news. I mean, entire markets everywhere are down. Businesses are down. Quarterly reports aren't doing well for most businesses. So it's nothing really, really, really crazy, you know, going on here. Um, they're just trying to make a big deal out of, out of nothing, really. But it says the total trading volume of the top 10 crypto exchanges in Q2 reached more than $8 trillion, representing a 23% compared, 23% decline compared to the previous quarter, right? And so, yeah, you know, th this is basically the crypto trading volume down 20% in Q2 as Binance dominance declines news. So, yeah, let's go ahead and move on to the next piece of news so it says ftx bankruptcy claims can now be sold on opnx right so user will be able to convert ftx or celsius claims into the platform's reborn ox or ousd tokens right this is this is quite hilarious to me but let's, let's just scroll down let's just read a little bit more about this article it says users who held assets on Bankrupt crypto exchange FTX and lender Celsius network can now trade their claims on OPNX or open exchange and it goes on to say that FTX owes as much as 8 billion to customers after it collapsed in November in an event that caused a widespread crypto market downturn right Celsius owes its users around 4.7 billion according to its bankruptcy filings, right? So resolving bankruptcy claims can blah, 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 blah. Okay, cool. Yeah, so this is very, very interesting. You guys who, anyone is a victim of FTX Celsius can go ahead, check this article out, check this thing out, see if they're able to now um, get their liquidity, you know? But I mean, I highly doubt it. But anyways, let's move on to the next piece of news. So Puma drops $130 crypto sneakers in collaboration with Jay-Z's Rock Nation, right? So super, super duper bullish. The bullish news is just continuing, continuing, continuing. And it's really, really great for the market. It says here that Puma and Rock Nation have dropped a new series of sneakers, which come with crypto, cryptographic identity chip, right? Which is pretty cool. And it says global shoe and apparel brand Puma and Rock Nation, the record label founded by Jay Z, have a dropped a new series of sneakers which come with a crypto cryptographic identity chip that enables owners to access exclusive content. The release of three new pairs of sneakers, which cost $130 a piece, coincides with celebrations of hip hop's 50th anniversary. The company said in a statement, right, and it says here the blockchain enables Puma's. To come with an NFC 
NFC powered chip, right? So they're using an NFC powered chip when Scan unlocks exclusive content weekly and mixtape drops in unfettered access to live life behind the scenes as Rock Nation artists, the statement says. So Evolution of the Mixtape is the name of the promotion, which is considered the second iteration of the mixtape series. The company said the shoes can be purchased through Puma, Foot Locker, and Champs store and on and online too as well across North America, right? So yeah, it's pretty, pretty cool. And yeah, you guys should definitely see the article also goes on to read. It says here this marks the latest attempt to marry the popularity of exclusive or original lines of sneakers with blockchain technology's ability to tag and authenticate limited edition merchandise. Both Puma and Nike been actively experimenting with NFT shoes and physical products tied to digital assets, right? And so Puma and Rock Nation partnered with tech company Legitimate on the new line of shoes and so on and so forth. So yeah, basically really, really good article, really good collab. You know, Jay-Z is really, really huge in the music industry and it's just better recognition and, and just indirect marketing for the entire crypto market as a whole. And if we can get these things massively adopted, it's just going to be great, you know, to experiment and execute on business models that are actually working and people can take from those business models and build on top of them to expand the business model or make it repolish it refine it until this is kind of how the internet was born right it's the same thing lots of scams very very buggy buggy very hard to navigate through and then people created this thing called social media and it started blowing up you know started with myspace and facebook and you know how that game goes so yeah, the more adoption, the better. In my opinion, some people may say like, oh, the celebrities are just shilling their bags. This is true, but at the end of the day, we kind of need them to be able to push the recognition of the entire landscape of the market, right? So moving on to the next piece of news. It says here that BNB beacon chain to add panic feature that can halt blockchain, right? And so it says... The BNB Beacon Chain mainnet is set to undergo... The Beacon Chain, by the way, is a layer 2 scaling solution on top of BNB, right? And it's set to undergo the Zhang Hang hard fork around July 19th, which will bring new upgrades aimed at improving security, right? It says the Binance-operated BNB Beacon Chain mainnet is set to add features in its upcoming hard fork, which will allow the blockchain to halt the production of new blocks if certain conditions are met. So I don't really know what that means. It doesn't sound super decentralized in, in that context of halting things and stopping things, right? But Binance was always really more centralized anyways. But yeah, it's one of those things, you, if you use this chain, you should just make sure that you understand the risk involved of these things being able to be halted or things being able to stop and so on and so forth. So it's definitely something to really keep in mind um, as you're, you know, planning out your investment thesis or allocating capital towards BNB, right? So let's go ahead and move on to the next piece of news. So we see here the recently exploited crypto bridge shuts, says China detained CEO and his sister. Multichain said it has been forced to take this action due to lack of alternative sources of information and corresponding operational funds, right? So when we scroll down here, we can see Multi-chain is one of the largest bridging protocols in the crypto world. 
said so bridging guys says you know before we continue this article bridging is is basically so blockchains have different codings and algorithms and you essentially need a way in which you can move your value without using a centralized exchange so they create this thing called a bridge where you can keep your value in one chain and, and or you can lock your value in a smart contract and get the derivative of that value like a like a digital rep representation of that value as the derivative so say for instance if you're bridging your bitcoin to eth you you would get like e-bitcoin or something like that right instead of the actual real bitcoin which is locked in a t in a smart contract and until you go back and take that ebtc back into the smart contract to trigger the smart contract to then give you back your original btc so it's just a way for you to be able to transfer value secure the value and still be able to participate in other networks right so that's bridging and so it says here the article goes on to read it says uh, one of the largest bridging protocols in the crypto world said it's seizing operations following the detention of ceo zhao jun and his sister by chinese police multi-chain has said it has been forced to take this action due to blah 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 and yeah so we won't read too much into that but yeah, it's very, very interesting. I never use multi-chain. I use other different bridges and stuff like that, but just something for people who do to keep in mind, to, to stay safe and also understand bridges are risky. Like you could lose all your funds on the bridge because they're very exper experimental yet. No one's quite gotten it correct, which is why I'm so bullish on Cosmos because Cosmos, you, you know, they, they leverage this thing called the inter-blockchain communication where, you know, it's very easy and seamless to be able to communicate from one blockchain to another. And this is what mass adoption is for me. It's like sending one email to another email, like that's separate, like two separate companies. You know, this interoperability of being able to transmit messages and communicate with one another is the same thing needs to happen on chain with the, with the, uh, the, the value transfer, right? So... Yeah, let's go ahead and move on to the next piece of news. And as we can see here, the ex-Celsius CEO Alex Mashinsky's bail set at $40 million uh, for travel restricted, right? So as we see, so he got arrested, right? Alex Mashinsky, as he should, because he scammed a lot of people with Celsius. And yeah, so anyways, he was the former chief executive um, of the bankrupt company, right? And so... The article goes on to read, Mashinsky pleaded not guilty to seven counts relating to misleading investors and manipulating the price of sell token after being arrested on Thursday. The document said, Mashinsky will be restricted from traveling and cannot open new bank or crypto accounts under the deal. His wife will sign the bond while the other co-signee has not yet been identified, court documents revealed, right? The bond will also be secured by a financial claim on the New York City home and bank. So, yeah, this is what happens when you do criminal stuff and you make a lot of people lose a lot of money and you, and you, and you force people from being able to eat and feed their family, even though they shouldn't be over leveraging with that much liquidity into the market anyways. But at the end of the day, you know, you should they should be able to deploy capital into a platform and that platform be safe enough or have reassurances and insurances in place so that the capital that is deployed is not going to zero, not based off of market supply and demand on the actual price of the token, but based off of negligence and acts of criminality, you know. 
quite frankly. So anyways, let's move on to the next thing. So as we can see here, Coinbase launches mainnet for developers plans public rollout in August, right? So it's layer two. So the Coinbase launching layer two scaling solution to Ethereum, right? And yeah, so it says the layer two network, the article goes on to read layer two network base backed by cryptocurrency exchange Coinbase has already a mainnet for developers ahead of a public launch slated for early August. The developer mainnet, which allows applications to be deployed on base, comes after the introduction of the testnet version, right? Base built on Optimism software stack known as the OP stack functions as a roll-up, right? So it functions as a roll-up network. So what is a roll-up network? That's basically when you need to transact and you're moving your liquidity um, to layer two because of the, the, the gas fees and so on and so forth, right? I kind of see it as like a checkings account versus savings account in a sense where you're moving instead of, you, you hold maybe your main value in the, in the base layer and do big time transactions at the base layer. But layer two is just to be able to sim simplify your transactions and, and make them cost effective. And once you finish finish all the transactions, they bunch the transactions all together and roll them up into layer one. And to, so layer one can record then the transactions as a roll up. And that's basically uh, the best, simplest way to describe the roll ups, right? But anyways, this might be a lucrative investment opportunity for many, right? Let's just read, continue reading this article and then I'll make my case, right? So it says it is a secondary layer that performs off-chain computations with the goal of facilitating faster and cheaper transaction fees while maintaining the security advantages of the Ethereum mainnet, right? So basically what I said, take the transactions, you move them off-chain or, you know, present them as collateral somewhere else you trade and then the trade gets finalized on the base layer, right? And that's basically it. So it takes the load off the base layer, which makes the transactions more easier and more quicker. So it says as part of preparatory process for the mainnet, the base core team carried out comprehensive internal and external security audits to bolster the network safety as well as that of the Optimism protocol stack, right? These reviews involve Coinbase protocol experts and over a hundred external security researchers, right? And so it continues, says the team noted in a statement, right? And yeah, so it says here, several tools for developers are now live in the base mainnet. These include node, node providers, Blockadom, or what is this, Block, Blockdemon? So kind of like Pokemon, Blockdemon. QuickNode and Blast and Safe Wallet Block explores EtherScan and Block Scout and data ind indexers, the, the graph and covalent, uh, according to the team, right? But anyways, so my case for Coinbase is two things. I think the stock is going to do really well in the next few years, seeing as they're going to be the the go-to supplier for those the spot Bitcoin ETFs, right? I think they're partnered with Arc and with BlackRock and a few others. I, mean, I think Fidelity might be in the mix too as well. So the stock is going to do really well. I just don't like stocks. It's the only reason I'm not buying it. But I just prefer crypto. You know, I just think this is the best asymmetric bet of our generation. Generation meaning millennials or even Zoomers. But I do see Layer 2 being able to buzz a bit. Like the Ethereum base. Or not the Ethereum. The, the, the Coinbase base Layer 2 being able to buzz a bit during the bull run. 
because if there's a successful launch and there's projects being built on top and the Coinbase stock is pumping more than likely, the projects built on top of the layer two scaling protocol will also do well. So I'm looking at, you know, uh, DEXs and things of this nature and seeing what other kind of investment vehicles get launched on the, the chain. So I will be keeping a close eye out on this. I know they're not launching any kind of coin, so it's very, very interesting. So let's go ahead and move on to the next piece of news. And so we see here a Celsius network has also been fined $4.7 billion, right, by FTC, right? So it says the United States Federal Trade Commission has issued a $4.7 billion fine against the bankrupt crypto lender Celsius network, right? However, the judge will be suspended to permit Celsius to return its remaining assets to consumers in bankruptcy proceedings, right? And it says, according to July 13th announcement, Celsius and its affiliate companies will be permanently banned from offering marketing or promoting any product or service that could be used to deposit, exchange, invest, or withdraw any assets. Where were where were these guys when they when we actually needed them? Like and the thing is with these with these regulators, they they talk big and they do things and they put the hammer down after the fact. But actually, they should be investigating and doing audits and all these different types of things, you know, for these projects that are launching these financial services. But they're actually out to protect people. They're just actually out to, in my opinion, flex their muscle and flex why they're needed. Which, in reality, I think a lot of this regulation stuff isn't needed. A lot of it, you know, you should be able to decide what you want to do with your money. I'll say it again. I've said it before. This is just it's obvious, right? But anyways, let's move on to the next piece of news. So it says the U.S. SEC files lawsuit against Celsius and Alex Mashinsky. So it just keeps getting worse for Alex Mashinsky and Celsius, man. It says the United States SEC is taking action against Celsius Network one of cryptocurrency lending firms that collapsed in 2022. The article goes on to read, it says, the securities regulator filed a lawsuit against Celsius' former CEO, Alex Mashinsky, on the 13th, charging the exec executive in Celsius for raising billions of dollars through unregistered and fraudulent offers, as well as selling crypto asset securities, right? Yeah, so anyways, the guy's in jail for the situation. Um, yeah, he's, you know, when you do bad things like this, I'm still trying to figure out the whole Sam Bankman Free thing and, and what's going on there. Because it seems like because he had a lot of politicians in his pocket, like his his crimes weren't punished very harshly. Or I don't even know. I need to get a little bit of an update more on the FTX situation. But it appears to be that I think he's not in jail right now, if I'm not mistaken. But I'm not entirely sure. But anyways, let's move on to the next piece of news. It says Polygon proposes token switch from Matic to Pole for more utility. If approved by the community, Pole will work as a multi-purpose token that can be used to validate multiple Polygon-based networks, right? So as you guys know, Polygon does have ZK Sync, ZK rollup technology that they're rolling out. So this article goes on to read. It says a group of Polygon founders and researchers proposed a token upgrade that would replace the network's Matic token, right? And yeah, so we replace it with Pole. The function and the function of Pole will be a single token for all 
polygon based networks right so these networks include the main polygon blockchain the polygon zk evm network and various supernets right this is what they're calling them application specific blockchains that run on top the main polygon network so it's kind of similar to cosmos in a sense but a little bit different you know where you can build because with cosmos it still is not the the hub for all those different interconnected chains they can kind of all move seamlessly on their own whereas with polygon they're trying to create something that is and so people can build on top of layer two and so yeah you know it, it says that um it said that the proposal lifted matic which oh well this isn't matter this is more like the percentage gains and everything so we'll see in terms of the tokenomics and all these different types of things that they have laid out. And I'm, I'm going to keep my eyes out on this and give you guys follow-up updates when I see fit. So let's move on to the next piece of news. So here we see Binance Labs invest $15 million in a Web3 gaming startup, Xtero, right? So the capital will, will help Xtero and more games and artificial intelligence integrations to its platform, right? So... It says Binance Labs, blah, blah, blah. It says here that Xtero plans to use the funding to further game and technology development, includes artificial intelligence integration and the launch of its token, right? So there, there is a lot of talk and speculation about GameFi, right? Now, this is one area in crypto that I'm not really good at because I don't play video games, but I do understand that there's money to be made here in this, in this particular vertical in crypto because it has the most direct impact and direct utility right now. You know, whereas a lot of other things can be a little bit confusing to use and there's a little bit of a learning curve to understand money markets and DEXs and liquidity farming and all these different things. You know, whereas with games, games are, you know, you can just, you can just learn the game really quickly and start playing, you know. And if you can have sort of like a play to earn model, and it could be quite fascinating, interesting in terms of the integration of things, right? And yeah, so I really do think that the gaming industry will kick off in crypto, maybe this next bull. I mean, everything's gonna shoot up, but I, I do think that they do they, they do have pretty good risk to reward asymmetric bets. But I, I would probably just stay more with the infrastructure tokens like a Gala Games or an engine. This is stuff that I'm more into where you know, instead of buying the the gold, you know, you're buying the actual shovel, the actual infrastructure needed, you know. Um, and this is why I like, you know, these layer one solutions more so than anything else. Because, yeah, you know, the returns might next board might only be 15x or 10x or whatever. But at least I can sleep easy at night knowing that because when you're, you're taking a huge risk when you're when you're investing in the projects that are built on top of the layer one or built on top of the layer two. And yeah, it's just kind of like my two cents on it, but I do think gaming will, it could even, gaming alone next cycle could hit a trillion dollar uh, market capitalization, just alone, just gaming alone. So I do have faith in the industry, but I just wouldn't allocate capital towards more speculative games per se. Um, I would rather just buy the infrastructure that the games are built on top of, like I said, like the Gala games. Moving on to the next piece of news, we have Google Play changes policy on tokenized digital assets allowing NFTs in games or in apps and games, right? 
So the company is, is opening up the ability for developers to let users buy, sell, or earn digital assets in apps as long as they maintain transparency and adhere to other rules. So basically KYC requirements, right? And so Google announces a major shift in policy today, allowing developers to incorporate digital assets such as non-fungible tokens in their apps and games in the store. Companies that decide to offer the ability to buy, sell, or earn tokenized assets will be required to make it clear in the Play console that they are blockchain-based elements in the app, right? And then, yeah, so, yeah, it's very, very interesting, but it says it's probably going to require some kind of KYC. This is why I really like the idea of decentralized app stores. You know, this is something that Cardano was looking into building. Um, I don't know how far they got with that because I haven't been updated on that. I know they were creating this Lace wallet and some other stuff too as well. I'll probably make another market update again to talk a bit more about that because I really find it fascinating to deploy your app on a decentralized application, you know. But anyways, let's move on to the next piece of news. So here we see Celsius sues StakeHound for failing to return 150 million worth of tokens. As you see, guys, there says StakeHound has 55,000 Ether, 50 million Matic, 66,000 DOT, and Celsius wants it back. So obviously they do because they're broke, right? And they need to try to pay their fees, right? And so this just makes perfect sense why they would want to do that. And yeah, we'll see what happens with the updates of that. I don't want to. I don't want to talk too much about that. But that's just basically just giving you guys an update on the news on that. And, um, yeah, Alex Mashinsky, man, what a criminal. But yeah. Anyways, let's move on to the next piece of news. Here we see FTX claims portal goes live, allowing creditors to submit their claims. So. It says the, the failed cryptocurrency trading platform has launched a customer claims portal. This lets individual clients access their account information and then file a petition that will be included in the company's chapter 11 bankruptcy proceedings according to the site. So you're actually not getting your claims from this claims portal guys. You're only gonna be able to then file a petition for it. That's unfortunate, but at least it's a step towards the right direction. I really hope that people who got where FTX victims were able or are able to get at least 50% of what they had in the platform. You know, I read some horrific stories of people using losing millions of dollars because they had their money in FTX. So this is why it's very important. This is why I always, always, always emphasize to clients, to people, self-custody of assets, right? Self-custody of assets because if it's not your keys, it's not your crypto and they can be taken away from you. At any point in time you know when you're trusting it to a third party and that's the whole main value proposition of crypto is that you control your value yourself you don't need to rely on somebody else to control your value for you but when you're a cog in the machine and you don't really understand that you think that it's just like any other investment vehicle it's not it's a completely different thing it's, it's, it's very self-sovereign in, in that sense so you have to take personal responsibility and accountability for your value and that's the ideal of it. It's empowering once you understand this. So anyways, let's move on to the next piece of news. So here we have Ave, right? So uh, Ave is doing a new proposal, right? It says uh, basically that uh, they're trying to launch a basically stable coin, right? So Ave is trying to launch a stable coin and it's gonna be called GH 
O. So you can see the, the votes, right? For yay or nay. And basically from what I'm looking at now, basically everybody want, kind of wants this thing to go live on mainnet launch. And it says the AIP proposal launching GHO in Aave native stablecoin with two initial facilitators, the Aave V3 Ethereum facilitator and the Flash Minter facilitator. If this AIP is approved by the Aave DAO, GHO will be become live in the Ethereum mainnet, right? So that's basically it um, for Aave news. Let's move on to the next piece of news. So here we see the legal proceedings start for Terraform Labs co-founder in South Korea. And we all kind of know what the verdict is going to be here, guys. For those not familiar with Terra, I also invested into Terra. I lost uh, a good amount of my portfolio. It wasn't, it wasn't so, it wasn't like life changing, life altering, but it was a pretty chunk, pretty decent chunk of my portfolio. I would say probably about 20% uh, of my portfolio was in Terra and in Luna combined, right? And yeah, you know, I was able to escape out of the stablecoin debacle the day before. Like literally what ended up happening was I was sleeping and UST was at 90 cents or I was about to go to sleep and it was at 90 cents. I was like, should I go to sleep right now or should I just bridge UST to BUSD? And if everything goes back and it regains its peg, then I can just in six months time because an anchor could earn 20 percent. I was like, fine, in six months time, I'll take the loss and I can regain what I've lost because I had my a lot of my bull market profits in, into UST. And I didn't really want to take that risk of a potential death spiral or whatever, right? So I decided to bridge over to BUSD and literally the next day it crashed even further and crashed even further and then it just eventually went to zero. And I'm so happy I did that because yeah, I lost the Luna investment, but if I would have lost the UST investment, it would have been more, more dramatic for me at least you know i would have been able to recover and everything but it was just because it's a larger a larger chunk of money but yeah anyways let's move on to the next piece of news so bank of america ordered to pay 250 million dollars for illegal fees and accounts <laughs> what a surprise another bank that is dealing with illegal things and illegal practices and illicit activity and money laundering is this, this is normal the deutsche bank it happened to a few times they paid a billion dollars or or half a billion dollars or whatever, and they continue doing and operating how they operate. And the system, the way it's designed, just allows them to do so. Especially these bigger banks, because they're too large to fail. And so, yeah, you know, uh, it says, the article goes on to read, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau has ordered a financial penalty for actions taken by the bank. The Wall Street Journal reported the penalty and restitution payments levied against the financial institution. Moreover, the regulator has collected the fine in connection with a host of different inf infractions, including false accounts and that were open in various wrongful fees. So yeah, typical, typical bank stuff that's going on, you know, nothing new here. Let's move on to our last piece of news. So here we see Microsoft wins U.S. court approval to acquire Activision Blizzard, right? So the article goes on to read the FTC action to halt the acquisition. Microsoft has won U.S. court approval to acquire popular video game developer Activision Blizzard. Indeed, the, the California judge Jacqueline Scott has officially 
deny the preliminary injection in a denial order release today, right? And by today, I mean July 11th, right? When this all happened, right? So it says the decision will allow Microsoft to acquire Activision Blizzard prior to July 18th deadline. Nevertheless, Microsoft is still facing an antitrust lawsuit issued by the FTC. Yet after testimony that after the testimony that lasted five full days, the acquisition was has been allowed, right? And I don't know why they even do this thing of trying to interject the free market and allowing the free market to do what it does. Maybe they don't want this, you know, Microsoft to, you know, sort of have this sort of monopoly over the, the gaming sphere. But at the end of the day, if you're in a free market and we live in a free country, meaning America, I don't live there anymore. But if you do live there and it's supposed to be a free country, then why are they creating lawsuits for things that the free market is doing legally, you know? It's crazy, a lawsuit or just stopping people or halting people from acquiring things. I think it's just quite strange. Um, but anyways, guys, I hope you guys enjoy this pod. And I'll see you guys in the next one, man. And if you like this type of content, stay tuned for the next one, man. And peace.